welcome to the Geek Night In, episode 49. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here this week with Tilly. Yay, I'm sleepy and full of tea. And Gemma. I'm awake and full of coke. <laughs> Woo, and you are back to you a mean place. The, the cola kind, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you're back to a place where you can podcast from. So, hooray, we got Gemma back. Yeah, and... logistics have been met. I'm no longer treacherous. <laughs> Indeed. And because of the way that the universe works, the second Gemma's back, Kate has to run away. It's entirely possible that Kate and Gemma are the same person for all we know. Who who knows? I don't think there's they have any. They've actually been in the same room twice now. Shut up. I was going to say there's no <laughs> proof to the contrary, but yeah, there actually is amounts of proof to the contrary there are people who have seen live episodes in which they're both in the same place there's pictures of the two of them in the same place maybe one of them is an elaborate ventriloquist puppet Mm. Gemma is it you or Kate that is the puppet she's gonna say which one (laughs) I'm gonna leave everyone guessing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you've been gone for a while so I imagine you have plenty of things have built up to talk about so Gemma do you want to go first and tell us about things well, it's it's worth saying I had a pretty geeky holiday, actually, yeah. I was uh, offline for the most part, uh, spending a couple of weeks in Wales, as I do. I think I did, the, I did the same last year, so I think that impacted upon the podcast a little bit. Sorry. But uh, I was in a cottage playing board games. Uh, basically just scratching the itch of, like, I love Ticket to Ride. <laughs> it's my favourite board game, and th- there are kind of obvious reasons, given it's about laying train lines down across... Europe. I had I had no idea that that's why you like that game because it's about <laughs> trains and stuff. <gasps> yeah, but it's also a really nicely balanced game. I think it's got a nice social dynamic. It's competitive without being too bitey and everything. Um, and yeah, it's trains. Sorry, Gemma, can I just interrupt you for two seconds to tell you a story? Um, my mum and I were shopping a little while ago, and she um, she found a T-shirt with the um, the London Underground um, map on it. And she was like, oh my God, we should get this for Gemma. And I like, <laughs> completely blanked. I was like, who? You don't have any friends called Gemma. Oh, my Gemma. I, I so frequently have that urge to send things to you. Like I recently saw like a a version of the London Underground map that had been sort of rearranged to better reflect the positions of places in London and how those lines have to actually work to get to those places. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll send it to Gemma. No, Gemma's on holiday. She doesn't need homework. And the fun thing is six other people sent me that map. Well, that's the other thing is I can guarantee if I don't do it, at least one person will. And I love it, but I have really become that person now. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's fun having like a niche in that way. Like Alan Zaccone, the developer, is like the biscuit developer. You are the person who likes public transport. I seem to have had butts become the thing so you know we some of us have better more interesting niches than others i've got a lot of people sending me pictures of cats yeah you're the crazy cat lady i literally have like two or three followers who'll take pictures of cats that they just see around (laughs) and then tweet them to me it's like hey i saw this cat today yeah literally and i i love it i wish more people (laughs) would do it like if you if you see a cat just take a picture of you, it. You know how you get people to send you more pictures of cats? How? Start a YouTube video series that is called Tilly's Cat Report <laughs> and just put up pictures of cats that you saw and like set up the the vid- the camera so that it looks like you're doing like a news report and just do like reviews of the cats you saw and then do like a little news song as you leave and be like and that was the cat report. Do 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 do. I think but I that would be amazing. Yeah, do it, um, please. I think I should do interviews instead. Yes, interview the cats. <laughs> See, do this. Start like making content about the random cats you find, and people will start sending you more cats because you will have committed to your niche, and they'll know that it's okay to bombard you with them. It's like, have you seen? Um, there's a video of a guy who's like he's literally interviewing his cat, <laughs> and he says to the cat, "Sir, are you aware that you're a cat?" And the cat's like, "Oh." <gasps> <laughs> yes. Oh, now funny. see this is the thing is once you fully commit to your niche you'll get to the point that i'm at where like at least seven or eight times a day someone will just like tweet me a picture of a butt <laughs> and i'll be like okay thank thank you i i know what a butt looks like thank you for continuing to make sure i don't forget what a butt looks like see i'd be like oh my gosh look at that cat i it's do so i do occasionally have that sort of response when it's like a really crazy thing like but, oh my uh, gosh look at that 
but it's well, adorable. <laughs> it's more sort of amusing. Sometimes I'll get sent like, here is a, a screenshot from an anime where a like anime girl is holding up an overly large inflatable butt and like throwing it at the sun and then it explodes into a rain of butts. Like things like that where I'm like, I don't understand the context of this and that is fascinating. <laughs> That's when I get interested. Anyway, Gemma, you were talking about um, yeah, Ticket to Ride. About your holiday. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was most of our holiday, actually. Although I did get to, because uh, I played Ticket to Ride Europe quite a lot, and it's actually my uh, plane game as well. There's a very nice digital version of it, so I play it on planes quite a lot. But this holiday, I actually got to play Ticket to Ride Nordic Countries. It's a two to three player map. And yeah, you draw railway lines across the Nordic countries. And for some reason, I always drew Stockholm, and I always won at it. <laughs> so uh, well, that's that's yeah. convenient for you. Mm. But on the subject of maps, the other thing I got into actually was, uh, I think it's a four-year-old game now called Ingress. Um, I I have never heard of Ingress. Tell us about it. Well, it's a geolocation-based game, uh, which is to say that it's played in the real world. Uh, it was originally made by. Uh, I think it's always been made by Niantic Studios, but they were originally part of Google, um, and they've since broken oh. off. And they're now the people who are making Pokemon Go. <gasps> oh! And basically, Pokemon Go has the same gameplay mechanics as Ingress, in that you turn up to a place, and in Ingress, the idea is that uh, basically there's this exotic matter which is spewing out into the world, and it manifests at landmarks of places of worship, where the idea is that it manipulates people's minds and sort of brings them together and events oh. happen and they concentrate around these places. So you've got two factions competing for control of these oh, portals. Oh, I've heard about this. This is the thing where, like, um, I think this was near you, the train station where you were living in Bath. Um, there used to be battles over that train station where people <laughs> would, like, camp out in their cars to try and take control of the train station. How did I yeah, know sounds about like this? It. No, yeah, it's a thing where you just have to be like, you have to physically be there to log in and like try and take control from the other team. And this used to happen at Bath train station. Where <laughs> oh like, there was, there was I, I can't remember who was telling me about this. It might have been my friend Jess, who was at Bristol. Yeah. Um, she was saying that like there were people who would camp out in their cars outside the train station. So as soon as control was taken, they could fight to take it back. It's it's crazy. How have I never played this? Because I didn't realise, ah, I didn't know that this was a thing people still did. Mm, I, I wondered the same, because I have a feeling I did play it, like, early on. And I wonder if that's why my username was taken. Because I'm having to go around this as the Raygun Goth, same as on YouTube. Um, but yeah, like, I've only really picked it up in, like, the past week or so. I started in Wales. Uh, I did a bit round Woking in Surrey, where I was visiting friends. Uh, and I've since pretty much lost all those portals. And now I'm engaged in the fight in Stockholm. Um, so I sided with the Enlightened, who are the group who want to use this exotic matter to uh, enhance humanity, want to harness it and better humanity. And then there's the Resistance, who for some reason still want to control the portals, but want to like close it off. And they suspect that aliens are involved somehow. They're basically paranoid. Um, I'm not going to anger a lot of... Uh, resistance players with that but, uh, <laughs> basically yeah, no, you're equating really them fun. to like the sith of ingress well yeah the enlightened are definitely the sith <laughs> and i am totally cool with that but what i love about this is that in the playing you end up discovering so much more about the areas around you and like i've actually gone out on ingress trips now i just thought i want to capture this portal i can see like 20 kilometers down the road not 20 kilometers <laughs> um uh, a few meters down the road or something. I'm going to explore what that is. And because they're landmarks and bits of art and things like that, you start just, yeah, just learning more about your local area. And okay, you're going around staring at your phone and like pinging portals and stuff, but you're actually appreciating new shortcuts and all this sort of thing. It, it um, reminds me a lot of the appeal of things like geocaching, which I used to do for a while, where mm. it's sort of the, hey, find like interesting things about the world around you that you otherwise wouldn't go out of your way to see. Yeah, precisely. My and, dad tried really hard to get into geocaching for a while, but we just could never find the place. Um, I can point out, I know at least three geocaches like within walking distance of my parents' house. Yeah. So sometime I will take you by some geocaches so you can see the appeal. Woo! 
Um, but since you've mentioned this, I'm literally downloading Ingress on my phone right now. And hopefully by the end of the show, I can update us and not say where, but tell you how far we currently are from our nearest Ingress location in Ooh. distances. So My phone literally just pinged to say that an ingress portal is under attack. That is spooky. How how far are you from this ingress portal that's under oh, attack? This one is right around the corner. Um, unfortunately, it's out of range, so I can't like tap it when I'm at home or anything. I, see, I know some. I I love that idea that it's like you now know that someone in the physical world is at X location. It's like oh, I need to go fight them. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of had that because in my part of Stockholm, like, bizarrely, that there's a lot of green in Stockholm and I'm impressed but also intrigued because I I start wondering like why are there boundaries drawn where this is quite clearly enlightened players and these are quite clearly resistant so I end up wondering like what draws people to one area or the other but uh, yeah at the moment large parts of Stockholm are enlightened which is good for my faction so at the moment I'm sat in a sea of green but yeah somebody's hacking away at one of these node portals which <laughs> literally yesterday i went around and drew a load of lines because the thing is you can you can hack the portals but then you draw lines between them and when you form a triangle that completes the control field and at that point you're controlling the minds of everyone within that area and that's mm-hmm. what gets your faction points and this is tallied in a global scale <laughs> i, I, ha- I had actually. no idea that there's every chance that my mind is being controlled right now if i am inside a triangle how will i know illuminati confirmed <laughs> well the fun one was like uh i think it was yesterday or the day before as of the time of recording so i think it was saturday the 26th um britain woke up to a sea of blue because the fun thing is uh there are, there are a couple of rules for drawing portal lines the the major one is that they can't cross any lines but if you're a high enough player and if you have the the key to each portal you can draw lines across international boundaries and somebody managed to draw well, a group of people managed to draw lines all the way from, I think, the Netherlands up to Greenland and Canada, completing a field which covered the entirety of the United Kingdom and Ireland. My goodness. Um, and is there a way to break these fields when they're created? There is and there was because uh, it got taken down pretty quickly. Um, I think mm. a bunch in Norway managed to like switch the polarity and stuff because Greenland was covered by another control field as well. It's quite <laughs> weird. You can see all this just by going onto a map and just seeing like the layout of stuff. This sounds fascinating. Why is my 3G so slow? I want to have this now. <laughs> I must I admit, one of the fun things is now I'm playing back in Sweden, I've got the 4G, so I can actually do more <laughs> with the game. Because in the middle of Wales, it's very hard to play. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, so what else do we want to talk about this week? Tilly, would you like to talk about fan fiction? I would love to talk about fan fiction. Loudly and... With projection, because you're further away from the mic, tell us about fan fiction. <laughs> um, well, I've just I've gotten back into writing fan fiction, and now it's got a hold on me. And yeah, <laughs> I just I I'm sorry, but well, why not start off? Tell us about the fan fiction that you wrote. Okay, um, the fan fiction I wrote is supernatural, obviously. Of course. Um, yeah, because. The idea that I had for this story just fitted a lot better with the Supernatural characters. And I haven't watched Supernatural in like a year, maybe a year and a half now. Um, Like a whole season and a half has just passed me by. Um, And uh, this fan fiction is just, uh, Dean is bisexual, but he's uh, he's got a lot of internalized homophobia. So he does manly things like drink whiskey and, you know, get into fights. And then he's got Castiel, who he's in love with, and is also in love with him, who patches him up after all these fights. But he doesn't want to be patched up because that's being cared for by another man, and that's not manly. Except he does want it, and he hates himself for that context. Exactly, and that's why he drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I hated it while I was writing it. Like, every time I'd force myself to work on it, and I'd be like, this is the worst thing ever. And then it was finished. Oh so shit. You finished it. And then it. I finished it, and actually I quite like it, after I left it alone for a few weeks. And um, you put it up online, and people seem to like it. Yeah, I put it up on Archive of Our Own, and it's got, like, 70 kudos or something since Woo! yesterday, which is cool. Um, except now it makes me want to write another one. 
And this one, there's no way I'm going to get it done in two and a half thousand words like I did the other one. It's like a 20,000 word epic you've got Yeah, planned. 20 to 30,000 words, I reckon. Um, because who needs to work on their main novel? Uh, my two main novels. Your two main novels. Um, <laughs> yeah, who needs that? I can work on fan fiction. Yeah. Um, and you've been reading fan fiction as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've got uh, my favourite... Uh, well, it's not my favourite. One of my favourite um, fan fictions is based on a book called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about this sh- book on the show mm, before. Indeed you have. Um, but I love it so much. And now, the last time I'm, I read this fan fiction, I cried for about two hours. Yeah, I'm so. bracing myself because you were about to start reading this as we went to record the show. And it's like, you're going to read it after this show and you're probably going to cry. I need to drop everything because you're going to cry because it's a sad fan fiction. Oh, it's so sad. The the other amusing thing has been watching Tilly uh, giggle like a schoolgirl at the idea of reading people writing about sex. Because some of the fan fiction you read had some sex in it and that made you giggle a bit. It did. I was literally reading it like, oh my gosh, they're going to have sex. It's like, oh, they're going upstairs, they're going to have sex. They're going upstairs, they're going to have sex. They're going to have sex. You were just very giggly, and it was very amusing. um, I just have a weakness for it. I mean, I've been... um, Because I want to... The couple in my book, I want to make them as lovable, I guess, is the word. As uh, heart-wrenching, I guess, as well. As um, I find, you know, character pairings like Dean and Castiel or Kirk and Spock Mm. and, you know... I've been trying to pinpoint what it is about these pairings that I love so much. And unfortunately, they are in extremely unhealthy codependent relationships. Hooray! But I I do love that. I just love it so much. And they're like, they're just two, like, broken people who have nothing else but each other. And, you know... And by fusing together, they, like, fix all their brokenness and... <sighs> anyway. Anyway, yeah, so you've been reading fan fiction I and writing fan, fan fiction, and that's been, like, the last couple of days you've just been like, oh, fan fiction's good again! Fan fiction's always been good. I know, but you forgot. Yeah. And then it resurfaced. I was talking to someone on Twitter about... I was like, oh, fan fiction is the worst, meaning it, you know, like... How us Generation Xers, you know, say the worst when we mean the best. It's it's like, it is my problematic fave. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, fan fiction is the worst. And then someone was like, uh, no, it's actually really good. Um, there's just a few bad writers out there. And I was like, you are literally preaching to the choir. Here, it's okay? like, there's an awful lot of bad writers, but when they're good, oh. Yeah, and then... Um... And then he was saying, like, oh, it doesn't have to be about sex. There's plenty of um, there's plenty of fan fictions that are um, about intellectual and um, uh, exploring of these worlds and uh, pushing at their boundaries. And I'm like, but the burning is my favorite part. <laughs> That's the best bit. Like, genuinely, if I read a fan fiction and I get to the end and there's no sex, I genuinely feel cheated. <laughs> Like, no matter how good the fan fiction was, I'm like, well, they didn't have sex, so that was a waste of time. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Fan fiction on the other side can be very interesting. Oh, I read, Mm. I've been reading uh, the Great British Bake Off fan fiction. That's been fun. Okay, that's more interesting than what I was going to (laughs) say. Tell me about Great Britain. Is this about this current season of the Great British Bake Off? It's about the last season. The one that I read was the last season, but it... um, it doesn't really matter. It's Mel and Sue. Oh, Mel and Sue. Great <laughs> yeah. British Bake Off fan fiction. Okay, go. Oh, they just... Um, it's basically just them. It's the end of shooting. They've had a party. They're both quite drunk. And they're talking about uh, if they get into a relationship, like, what's that going to be? Uh, what impact is that going to have on their, you know, on their filming and on their part, their like professional partnership, and it's really sweet. It's really cute. Now, while this does sound adorable, and I will be racing off to read it as soon as we finish recording. There's no sex. No, fine. <laughs> I will still read it. Um, this all being said, I think it's worth noting that like 
someone made a really valid point recently that I was reading about that basically boils down to it can be super creepy to read. Well, like this is the thing I've experienced myself. It can be super creepy to read fan fiction written about yourself. And as such, it's probably not a great idea to write fan fiction about actual people. Yeah, mm. I, I don't tend to um, indulge in real person fiction. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of it. That being said, this one sounds really cute, so I'm going to throw my morals out the window and I'm going to read it. And I have been known to engage in a little bit of Frerard. Oh, you're the worst. You're the worst. I know, I'm terrible, but no, Frerard. No, but stop it. For anyone funny. who doesn't know, that's Frank Iero and Gerard Way, My Chemical Romance fan fiction. Because um, I'm a 13-year-old girl. Yes, you are. <laughs> so... You've Any... aged over the course of an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you... that's good. Maybe by the end of the podcast, I'll be 14. <laughs> um, so things that I want to talk about this week. Um, I recently caught up on Steven Universe because that's happening again now. And without spoiling too much, uh, there is a really recent episode that does some really great things because this is the recurring segment of this show. Quite Laura nice. reminds you that Steven Universe is kind of great and that you need to see it straight away. So I made the mistake of watching Steven Universe at the gym today and I completely overworked myself because my gym has um, screens in the machines and I spent about 40 minutes on the cross trainer because I was like, I have to watch another episode, I just have to! And it switches off if you stop. So I couldn't like stand there and watch it, so I had to keep going. So I did a really good workout, <laughs> but I'm really sore. So anyway, and I yeah. Steven Universe. Anyway, Steven Universe episode that was um, happening... What? And you. Yeah, and me. I, I've been watching Steven Universe before I got rudely interrupted. Well, excuse you. Excuse me. Um, I There was a really recent episode, and without spoiling too much, it does a thing that I thought was really interesting, which it is an episode in which one character is encouraged to do something they are good at but do not want to do in front of an audience. And the conclusion of this episode is... The characters have a really good open conversation about their like their own sort of angles on a situation that we as an audience don't see. That is a very private conversation and to sort of emphasize the privateness of the moment, it kind of pans away and it's like, no, this is a moment between them. And also then the the episode ends with it being totally okay that this person's made the decision not to do the thing that they were being pressured into doing. And it also kind of ends with the title character, Steven, and this shouldn't be a surprise for anyone who's been watching Steven Universe because, you know, Steven is Steven is someone who, as a character, really does not care about how they are perceived. Basically, Steven goes on stage in front of a bunch of people dressed in some really good heels, a lovely skirt and some makeup, and sings a song by a female pop artist in Universe. And there is something that I think is fantastic about it, which is it's never used as a punchline. The audience at this concert have get scanned over by the sort of camera, I I guess is the best way to describe it. And you see their sort of reactions to the show. Not one of them is criticizing like, or making any kind of comment regarding, Oh yeah. Steven's not dressed traditionally masculinely. He's doing something very feminine coded. That is never like even acknowledged by the cast it's just oh that's typical steven announcing himself as the surprise final act of a show like never is the surprise like oh that's oh that's steven dressing up like a girl it's like it's just really interesting to see that it's it's very much not played off by the show or by any of the characters as a punchline and it's it's just a really subtle thing but i was like oh that's really bloody sweet the way that's handled so once again, Steven Universe does a thing that's really quite good. And if you're not watching Steven Universe after all of the times I've raved about it on this show, why are you not? Oh, oh, because you're me, apparently. Yeah, I, I suck at this. I just, I just remembered. Last time you were on Gemma, you forgot to talk about something. Apparently, yeah. you did one of your homeworks. <laughs> yes, um, it took bad Asperger for me to actually do the homework. <laughs> Yes, I watched Over the Garden Wall and loved it. I told you you would love it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get what you were saying on our live episode about the whole, um, it's kind of Welcome to Night Vale-ish. Yeah, you didn't, it's... You, you didn't tell me that Christopher Lloyd was in it. Oh no, I forgot to tell you Christopher <laughs> Lloyd was Or Elijah Wood. 
Yeah, <laughs> Elijah Wood and Christopher Lloyd are both in it, and they're both fantastic. Yeah, it's it is a very it's a very creepy show that like starts off very much as a children's show, but introduces its sort of creepy and dark and unsettling elements very gradually to the point that it builds to this really tense, like dis- almost distressing conclusion. But it's also sweet the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth saying Greg carries a lot of that sweetness. And it's also it's... weird having like a f- favorite character who shares the name with my husband. It's quite weird. <laughs> Have you watched Steven Universe yet? No, I haven't seen a okay. single thing of it. This is another reason. This is a reason to make you watch Steven Universe. There is a character called Greg. <laughs> so, and he will be your favorite character. So it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. He is absolutely oh. lovely. He is a precious cinnamon roll. <laughs> but um, yeah, Over the Gun Wall is really interesting. And like, I'm so glad that you agree with me about the Welcome to Night Vale-esque vibes about it. Mm. It's also worth saying the artwork in it is gorgeous. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's a really stunning. nicely animated piece. And it's done like each episode could be like a, an animated film in its own right. It's got that level of quality to it. And each wow. of these sort of like narrative acts is very sort of like very well bookended. I think it it comes off as like some self-contained stories on a larger journey in a very sort of well-paced way. Yeah, and a very intriguing larger journey as well, which um, would be very easy to spoil. So I'm not going anywhere near it. Yeah, I, I don't want to say anything where, about that plot. It's one of these ones where a lot of things you see in earlier episodes are then picked up and suddenly have a whole yeah. big click into place. Yeah. It's really that, that episode toward the end where you get the first glimpse of the thing that's like, oh, wait, this this was what the thing was like? This is what everything was like before the show? That just blew my mind. <laughs> uh... Yeah. I, I, oh, I might actually have been fair play. That was vague because I can't remember what it was. Um, okay, I will cut around this. The episode where you see that it's like it—they're all modern day. This isn't like fantasy people. Like these oh, yeah. kids are actually from like oh yeah, they were in high school and stuff. It's like what what? Oh yes, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, now that you've watched that, if you want, okay, if you if you now trust my recommendation of kids shows that have a distinct Night Vale vibe. The next one you should put on your list if you haven't seen it is Gravity Falls. Because Gravity Falls is very much children's welcome to Night Vale. Okay, because I kept hearing about that and kept thinking it was like a sci-fi film or something. No, it it is a Cartoon Network series that is very much like... It is a Night Vale-esque town where like mysterious scientific anomalies occur in this town and things are not as they should be and the rules of the universe do not seem to apply. And it is about two kids and their creepy, mysterious grand, uh, like grandfather slash uncle, their gruncle, who owns a mystery shack in this weird, mysterious town. And it's just, it's basically like kids welcome to Night Vale, but with like, Mabel is the most adorable protagonist in anything ever. She's wonderful. I love her. Is this the one that you were drawing links to Back to the Future? Was I? No, I guess not. I think uh, that on... was I think that was Rick and Morty. That was the one, yes. Yeah, Rick and Morty's the one that I compare to, like the adult version of Back to the Future. Yes. Where, yes. Which is so I've done that thing where I've caught up a little bit on Podquisition, because <laughs> <laughs> and and, it's all you talking. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really me hard to keep about track it, of me talking about a bunch of things. But yeah, Rick mm. and Morty is the one that's like the adult comedy Back to the Future. Gravity Falls is another sort of very Night Vale-esque children's show. And then Steven Universe is just the thing that like is really sweet and melts my heart every time I watch it because it keeps doing really good things. It's a wonderful... <laughs> Anyway, I've gushed about that for too long. Gemma, do you want to talk about a Star Wars drinking game? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, yeah, I've landed back into lightsaber combat with a, a bump. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a porkside gathering recently, which, uh, as I mentioned before, is where we get together and usually have barbecue. Um, but it's generally like socials for people who do Ludo sports stuff. So our clan got together and it started off with because our hosts have 
uh, homebrew stuff to the extent they have a kegerator. So it's literally beer kegs inside a fridge with taps drilled into the front of it. And the freezer compartment is where they keep the glasses. It's superb. Um, they, they also have Star Wars Connect. So we started off with drinking and Star Wars Connect. Um, and then we decided to watch Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And at that point, we thought we'd invent a drinking game. I, I think you need to if you're watching the original trilogy. I think it's uh, <laughs> yeah, good, I mean, good, solid advice. We skipped Phantom Menace entirely. But basically, well, good, yeah. <laughs> there, there, I will suggest if you're ever doing that in the future, there is a super cut of um, the Star Wars films that you can watch that basically the way that it suggests doing it is watch episodes four, then five, skip one entirely, you watch an amalgam of two and three where certain scenes have been cut out, and then you go into six. And that is the best way to watch all six together is you entirely cut out one, you put most of two and three in between five and six, and then you watch six. Uh But anyway, continue. You watched episode two and you had a drinking game. Yeah, we we decided to set few rules, but uh, they ended up perilous anyway, because our rules were drink whenever Anakin gets told off. <laughs> that is that is quite the killer in itself. Uh, whenever Anakin is creepy, which yeah. again is fairly often. Yeah. What, uh, what are you on about? Anakin being creepy? It's like, I will give up my life so that you and I can be together. In spite of everything, I will give up everything I am for you. Oh, his looks as well is really bad. And it's brilliant watching it with people as well, because you totally get to go, oh, no. Uh, we also drank whenever people referred to past events, which were never shown, which is also kind of often. I mean, four or five times you get major events referred to, which were never actually shown. But it's just like, oh, yeah, this thing happened. And also drink whenever Padme looks like she's clearly in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few there as well. So yeah, basically we got through a massive amount of beer. <laughs> that uh, sounds very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a perfect way to enjoy that film. I think... Plus also in Blu-ray on a big projector. Well, stuff, yeah, so. exactly. Um, me and Tilly have recently been watching the most recent season of The Great British Bake Off. And not spoiling anything about the show, both of us are quite glad that the two people we wanted to still be in are still in. Yep. But... I'm thinking when it comes time for the final, we need to play a great British baking a Bake Off drinking game. Oh my gosh, definitely. Uh, yes, and we've just pulled up one that I think looks quite good. So this particular great British Bake Off drinking game, you take one shot if there is a contestant caught like a deer in the headlights by Paul Hollywood's Icy Stare, two shots if someone says another 30 seconds, two shots if Mary Berry erotically flicks a crumb from the corner of her mouth, you take three shots if someone drops their cake. One shot if Sue shoehorns a sexual in- innuendo in. One shot if, contin- if contestants ruin something with their tears. Three shots if viewers realise they've never heard anyone say tartlets out loud before. You take one shot per plaster if people uh, if blue plasters just mysteriously appear on contestants' fingers. And one shot if a contestant dejectedly sits on the floor in front of the oven. I'm pretty sure we could play this drinking game. <laughs> I get to laugh now because I did see an episode of Great British Bake Off when I was in the country. Is this, your first, to mention is this your first ever episode? Yeah, it was. It was um, before I went to Wales, so it was what, like early September. What, what were they baking on that week? Um, all I, I can't remember exactly what they're going for, but it's some sort of Arctic log, but a, a couple of them did beach oh, shapes. Was, yes, this was the one where they were... Um, well, they try- they were trying to do stuff like uh, free from, so it's like they had to do like a cake without gluten, yeah, and, um, an ice cream cake without dairy, and oh, it's gluten free pitters. I remember that. Oh, glu- yes, gluten free pitters, and the ice cream cake with no dairy in it, and everything was melting, and yeah, yeah. It- can you see the appeal of that show now? Oh gosh, yes, it's, it's a really nice show. It's, it's <laughs> delicious looking cakes. Um, a baking show where all of the contestants seem fairly lovely. Um, high stakes drama that's not really that high stakes because at the end of the day, someone might have ruined a cake and that's about as high as the stakes got. And a really supportive group of people because every time someone's like, oh no, my thing's not setting properly, I need help. Someone who's doing okay with theirs will drop what they're doing and come and help. 
Yeah. It's just really sweet and supportive. And, oh, I love that show. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember any of the contestants' names, but I already ended up rooting for uh, one in particular. Um, I've no idea if she's in it anymore. But uh, I, yeah. I can't say who we're voting, uh, where Indeed. Sort of going for, because we've already said that the people we want to stay in are still in. So we, it would be ruining it to say who that is. Indeed. But I just love the fact I got so invested over the course of a mere 50 oh, minutes or whatever. Goodness. I discovered today that there are a bunch of different Great British Bake Off um, versions in different countries around the world. The best one to look up, if you're wanting to look these up, is the Turkish version of the Great British Bake Off, in which every episode they have to do a dance. <laughs> and there is one contestant this series who is loving doing the dancing, and several contestants that are clearly not loving doing the dancing. Uh, I'm immediately looking up to see if there's a Swedish version. I, I could hear the typing going on. I can't remember <laughs> if there's a Swedish version. I know there's a few versions around the world. Um, great. International versions. There we go. Uh, yes, there is. Oh, hooray! <laughs> Hela Sveria Bakar. All of Sweden bake. <laughs> See, and also, yeah, there's also celebrity all of Sweden bake. Is, is when is the next series starting for you? Uh, look see, up, look see. up show listings. We want to know. Actually, it's somewhat irregular. Apparently, it started in 2012. Then there was a season. Oh no, it was a pilot or something. Okay, uh, they're only doing celebrity versions. So season one was last year. Season two started in May this year. What I think you need to do is you need to watch one of the seasons that's already happened and give us a <laughs> weekly report on the Swedish Bake Off. I can try. I, give give us some like couple of year old Swedish Bake Off um, updates. <laughs> uh, Not to ask like tweet Ellie and just ask who is this person? Who is this person? It's like who's who this, this celebrity? Who's this one? Who's this one? Because I don't know any Swedish celebrities. That's yeah, fine. Just, just Other assume... than Zlatan, because everyone talks yeah. about Zlatan. Treat it the same way that everyone else would treat a non-celebrity version, where you're just like, oh, it's just just someone from Sweden. Or just treat yeah. it like a... Um, what's the word? Like, like a soap, like Kate was saying last week. Sit there and be like, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> what did he do? Yes. Yeah. What did what, he do? What did what, what, what they do? What, what, what's important about that one? Yeah. Wait, wasn't he married to her? Yeah. Wait, were they married? What's happened? So, yeah, The Great British Bake Off is great, and there's only, like, two episodes left. And no, but The Apprentice yeah. starts soon, uh, which the... is, like, the complete antithesis of The Great British Bake Off. Yeah, but the, uh, the Apprentice is basically, here's a bunch of idiots, we're going to make them try and do tasks. They will do infuriatingly badly, and everyone watching it will look to the person next to them and go, why did they do that? I could be better at business than them. Well, that's the thing is like it's it's um, with the Great British Bake Off, they all, you know, they help each other and they do what they can to help each other out and make sure that, you know, because they all genuinely like each other and they all want each other to stay. But in The Apprentice, there's so much backstabbing <laughs> and yeah. bitching and just anyone will general... t- anyone will turn on anyone else on the like the flip of a of a dime. Exactly. And I wonder if that maybe has to do with well, I don't know, actually. But I've never seen anyone really maliciously hurt anyone in Bake Off. Whereas I see that happen. Oh my gosh, last year with... Um, do you watch The Apprentice, Gemma? I used to. I kind of had to stop because I was just getting a bit too... Um, uh, too much face palming, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never have enough of that. But last year, the first episode where that woman was like, she was the uh, the team leader, and she was like, "All right, girls, we're gonna go up, hitch our skirts up, put on your best makeup. I want you all looking your best, okay?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "I I think it's best summed up by a Mitchell and Webb look sketch in which That's it's exactly the, what I was yes, thinking about. It is the boardroom like pitch meeting for The Apprentice, and they're like." Hey, well, we should get a load of like uh, really good business people in to fight over a prize, and and the other person in the room sort of like, well, that's not going to be interesting, you know, business people doing business, that's going to be boring, and then the other one turns back and says, okay, I've got a thought. What if we get a bunch of idiots in and make them do business? <laughs> 
Yeah, but we can't give an idiot a million pounds as a prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we'll actually do is we'll give them, like, what's the largest, smaller, uh, the smallest large amount of money we can give them? A hundred thousand pounds. Yes, that is the largest, <laughs> small amount of money. That is the smallest, large amount of money. You can tell we're fans. We yeah. Do. We watch um, that Mitchell and Webb look. I watch it when I'm sick. I watch <laughs> it when I'm tired. Yeah. I have it on while I'm sleeping. Like, but, I love that. Mitchell but won't Blake. the appeal of The Apprentice be lost after a couple of episodes because everyone will realise that the people on the show are idiots? No, because there'll always be those people who kid themselves that they're watching it ironically. And there'll always be those people who watch it being like, am I the only person who's realised they're idiots? And how do those uh, those views show up on the ratings? The same as non-ironic views. Exactly. See, I'll there we go. Watching it, knowing <laughs> that it's the show that spawned Katie Hopkins, and also, oh. I think Donald Trump's version is the one that started it. I can't remember it, but yeah, Donald oh. Trump and Katie Hopkins. There's a stellar reason to keep watching. Yeah, just Donald Trump. Uh, 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 uh. I think at this point, like Katie Hopkins is bizarre enough that everyone's sick of her. Like she's not ever going to run for prime minister um whereas well donald yeah donald trump. trump donald trump has more money than sense and y- yeah he has too much money and i'm a little bit scared by his existence <laughs> yeah i'm scared by his hair's existence <laughs> debatable whether that's his hair oh no now he's going to sue me because i in- in- insinuated he might have a toupee what um so yeah that was subtle laura i know i am so subtle i did a video last week on uh david cameron's favorite video games and equally that was also a very subtle thing that i did because i'm so good at subtle jabs at politicians subtle like a club to the face yeah subtle subtle as anything um that so, was kind of an amazing time to be in Britain. Yeah, do we do we want to acknowledge the the thing that happened in Britain? Let, let's not actually cuz I think everyone knows what we're talking about anyway. Yeah, it, so, yeah. There was a a British politician, the big British politician was accused of something. Everyone had a bit of a laugh at his expense because we don't like politicians in our country. Oh, man. Remember when that happened? That was probably the best day of my life. That that might have been the best day ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that's day, the day like... that that Michael Karamat song "This Is the Best Day Ever" is written about. <laughs> is written about that day. But, you know, one day my kids are going to be born. I'm going to have. I'm going to pop out like two or three of them, and they're going to be like, "Mom, what's the best day of your life?" When I was born, I'm going to be like, "No, son. The best day of my life is when I found out that David Cameron fucked a dead pig." <laughs> And there we like, go. Cameron, and I'm going to be like, he was the prime minister when long before you were born. <laughs> anyway, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about some video games that I saw this last week because I went to EGX in Birmingham, which is the big Ooh. UK video game thing. Ooh. So, uh, maybe two things I want to talk about. Um, I got to try Valve's VR headset, the HTC Vive, and. I've seen a few people talking about this virtual reality headset as if it is like some kind of unbelievable game changer. Like I saw people like developers talking about it, like, Oh, I tried it. And like, I was crying and um, journalists who tried it, who were like, Oh, I walked out the demo shaking. I assumed that they had to be somewhat embellishing or sort of uh, emblazoning that story a little bit to be like, yeah, yeah, it was this amazing thing. I had half an hour with the uh, with the headset at EGX. My goodness, I understand where the the crying and the shaking reactions came from. Um, even if this is not something that is likely to be replicable in a home environment, so the setup was: I was in a sort of a twelve foot by twelve foot ish, completely empty room with this headset on, and you've got two controllers that have like a touchpad on the top and a trigger underneath and these sort of angular antennas on top to triangulate where your position is put the headset on first of all my hands in the game were exactly where my brain thought they should be like the my brain sensation of where my hands would be compared to what i was seeing in the headset was perfect and never dropped out um no calibration at any point no recentering everything was very much perfected in terms of 
oh yeah, I am in a different place now. Um, as you get towards the edges of the room, in-game a uh, sort of a checkered grid of sort of like glowing light would start to fade in to basically be like, you're getting towards the edges of the room, don't go any further. To sort of set your boundaries of the space. And the best thing I can compare this experience to is like the holodeck in Star Trek. I was going to say, especially with a grid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the grid in particular was like, yeah, this is, this is, it's a very small holodeck. Um, like I was walking around the room and there were several demos. Like the first one I was in a, like in a diving suit on a sunken ship underwater, like overlooking a chasm. And I could walk around the bow of the ship, um, like interacting with things just by sort of like using my hands the way I imagined I should be able to, like pushing the, um, the, like the, wooden piece at the bottom of the sail to push it out my way to go around the ship and I could like brush fish out the way in the water and they'd like avoid my hands and at one point this whale swims by the ship and I'm walking around the boat and it's following me with its eyes and it's it was just all these little things that really they just worked exactly how they should while I was walking around this virtual environment like i was like uh, chopping up carrots and putting them in a pan to make soup and um like guiding planes in by like drawing flight paths and they were like following them um there was one where i was like drawing f- uh, you know when you have a sparkler and you twirl it in the air and it kind of leaves a trail behind it oh yeah it was like that but it like the the glowing trail stayed in place and i was like drawing physical 3d art in like 3d space and it was all just I forgot where I was. No joke. I just lost track of the fact that that these environments I was inhabiting were not actually where I were. Like I was building physical objects and slotting things into each other. And like at one point there was an aperture science portal demo where I was like going around a lab trying to repair a robot. And then after about half an hour, took the headset off. And I had this really weird moment that I've not had with VR before where like I've been walking around this like set of environments and all of a sudden I was like, this is an empty room. None of that stuff happened. All those environments I was, I was like navigating that sort of ledge that I looked over the edge of and like got like a sickness feeling at the height of it. And none of that stuff happened. And it's it was just this really weird mental disconnect of, oh yes, I have to remind myself the last half hour of places I were did not exist. This was just an empty room. And that's a really surreal feeling that I've not had from video games before. And it's the kind of thing that like the people who are scared of the VR revolution are kind of rightly scared about. This weird disconnect of like, this is very much getting yourself lost in a world that is not your own. Mm. And I left that room shaken. I was sort of like, I was shaken by how drawn in I was by that experience and how little awareness by the end I had of the space around me. And that was a really weird experience. Um, This all being said, it was obviously shown off with demos in like a very perfect environment like this was a completely empty 12 by 12 foot by 12 foot dedicated vr room i don't have one of those in my house and i don't think most people do like i don't yet have a room set aside in my in my living space to be the holodeck and it feels like the the experience i had is very much predicated on having a holodeck room and like outside of that, yes, it is just like a general higher spec um, headset than other VR headsets. Um, one of the more impressive things about it was I had my colleague from Destructoid, Joe Parlock, with me, who is stereo blind. Um, he has a particular condition that means one of his, the connective tissue mm-hmm. for one of his eyes is really poor, and one of his eyes just is incredibly weak compared to the other, meaning he can't generally detect stereoscopic depth. VR headsets in the past have not worked for him. Uh, Like, um, even just anaglyph 3D glasses haven't worked. The Vive headset works for him. He can detect depth within it. 
which is really weird. Like, it shouldn't work, but it does. So that VR headset seems to be something something pretty impressive. I certainly walked away from it very sort of, oh, that was a thing I experienced that's going to stick with me. So, yeah, try that if you get a chance. Hmm. I'm well aware that I've just kind of silenced everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, what well, we I wasn't sure it'd be rude to make a, a segue actually on that point. Yeah, go ahead, make a segue. Because I actually had a, a similar experience, but uh, through music recently. Um, given that I did a little bit of, when I returned to the internet during my holiday, I caught up with the most recent two episodes of Welcome to Night Vale. <gasps> oh yes, uh, which included Triptych, um, and apart from the fact I really enjoyed the episodes triptych the weather on that episode just blew my mind it's amazing right yeah so i ended up going to Bandcamp um because the, the artist is unwoman so if you go to unwoman.bandcamp.com mm-hmm. you can listen to her stuff and the album that uh the weather track there the heroine um is on is one called uh the fire i fires i started something like that uh i've completely managed to lose my notes now uh yeah, the fires I started. And it's just from from beginning to end, it is somehow a completely immersive, cello-y, electronic experience with really strong lyrics that actually make me pay attention. And to a certain extent, I, I'm somehow lyric blind. I don't tend to notice, or lyric deaf, whatever. Uh, I don't tend to notice lyrics in songs, but I think that's what grabbed me about the heroine, given that it's a story of an actress confronting like real emotion for the first time and just delivered in a really interesting way. And just, oh, I'm just fanscreening about this album. Basically listen to us on Bandcamp. You can stream it for free and it's, it's also available to buy from $1 or more. It's wonderful, but it's a really wonderful album and she has a really interesting sound that I'm looking forward to listening to more of. But yeah, so I, I had a completely, because basically the first time I was listening to it, I was just sat in this, cottage just completely zoned out that's i've not had that with music for ages so give that a listen yeah um and my music recommendation for this week is um an album that i found a couple of days ago that i've been really liking is just um lyricless background music for working to and Mm. it's god is an astronaut all is violent all is bright and again it's very sort of like calm little bit of electronic stuff going with it um it's it is a very fascinating like rock electronic ambient thing that i don't know how better to explain like the album's about 50 minutes or so long and i have just had it on loop since i found it it is really good so hooray there's my music recommendation tilly do you have anything else you'd like to talk about this week um. No. You restarted Animal Crossing. Do you want to talk about that? I talked about it loads when we first. If you want to hear me gush about Animal Crossing, just go back to the beginning. <laughs> like episode like one. I was really yeah. into it then. I'm really into it again now. Yeah, you've got a charger again now, and so far your experience has been you got stung by bees a lot. Yes. You very sleepily asked me if I get stung by enough bees, will my character die? <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes, I remember that. I asked yeah. you something else as well. but I can't remember what the other thing was, but no, you were convinced if your character got stung by bees too many times, they might die. I was yeah. like, no, it's okay. I also got stung by a scorpion last night. That was interesting. Hooray! Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, last bit I want to get out of the way. Um, another game I played while I was at EGX. Um, the new Guitar Hero game, Guitar Hero Live. Really interesting. Um if any of you out there are people who used to be into the sort of Guitar Hero rock band type games when they were f- big and popular a few years back, the new rock band, very much more rock band. Uh, the set list for it should be your review. Do you like those songs? If so, it's more rock band. Guitar Hero Live, very different. Um, rather than what Guitar Hero did in the past on guitar, where it's sort of five buttons all above each other, Now it is two rows of three buttons. 
so that you have to sort of move your fingers back and forth in more in something more akin to guitar like fret fingerings rather than just one straight line of buttons fingering. <laughs> yeah um and, I'm the with way, you, <laughs> and the way they notate this on the uh the track the tra- music tracks on screen as they're moving is you've got three tracks of notes and whether the pick is facing up or down on the note track is whether you're doing the top or bottom row of notes and it works really well it makes a lot of sense um but the thing that was really interesting to me is that rather than having CGI animated crowds like previous guitar heroes have had, it's you play the the track in first person, and it's all done with full motion video, which is a thing we've not really seen in video games since like the nineties, and it's all really smoothly cut together, so you can't see the the cuts, and you've got this big huge crowd in front of you and all your bandmates around you. And as you're playing the song, if you're doing well, the crowd will get more excited and they'll jump along with you. And it feels really bloody awesome to have this whole like crowd of people jumping for you. But if you mess up, my goodness, does it feel so much worse to mess up when there is a, a crowd of actual human faces looking at you? Because like in a way that video games just simply can't render in the detail it would need... If you're doing badly, you look at that audience and they're going to be confused and upset and angry at you. And you look at your fellow bandmates and they're looking nonplussed, like, what's going on? You have this fine in practice. Why is this going badly? And, like, the worse you do for the longer amount of time, the more angry they start getting. And, like, you see them, like, whispering about, like, getting you off stage. And it's... There is nothing that makes me feel worse about the way that my gameplay is going than real human faces reacting negatively to how I'm doing. And that level of guilt was a new thing for Guitar Hero for me. It's like, oh, yeah, if I'm doing well, this feels awesome. If I'm doing badly, hell, this feels bad. That so be enough for me to play maybe half of a song and then put it away forever. Yeah, like, I kept going to, like, put it down because I was like... I want to like because I put it on the hardest difficulty because I wanted to try out the the whole six note set because I wanted to see how the six notes worked. But because of that, I was not up to speed on playing with six notes, and I was not doing very well. And they got very upset at me very quickly. I was like, ah. That sounds like a game for the tumble dryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's well worth a look if you liked Guitar Hero and Rock Band but want something that kind of changes that formula up a little bit. This feels very new, if a little stress-inducing if you do badly. So yeah, should we should we wrap up there for this week? Is that a good place to to finish up our show? I think so. Yeah. Hooray! So thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Geek Night In. Don't forget, if you like us, you can find us on the internet. Tilly, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> Sorry, it's the way you looked at me then. Um, I like swished my head over. I was like, and dramatic turn of the head. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Twitter at Gathering Tilly. Uh, you can find me on Archive of Our Own if you're interested in reading trashy Destiel fanfiction. It's not trashy, it's great. <laughs> it's pretty trashy. Okay, but it's um, trashy and great. <laughs> if you are Destiel trash like me, and you enjoy trashy fanfictions, then you can find me on Archive of Our Own um, at Valence Killer. Um, my fanfiction is called Small Weird Loves. Um, so, kudos, please. Woo. Um, and you can find me on Patreon, where I'm working on my original book, at patreon.com forward slash valence killer. I'm catching up with you. Yeah, look at that. Look at me. Yeah. And while that's all being said, um, you mentioning being Destiel Trash has reminded me of like my favorite costume of all time, which is like just someone wearing a black plastic bin that has um trash written on it and then they're inside it. <laughs> it is the I am trash cosplay. <laughs> next time I go anywhere I'm gonna just cosplay yeah. that. I, I am trash. Um, and Gemma, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Reagan Goss. And I guess if you live in Stockholm, you can find me on Ingress at the Reagan Goth. Not that you can add people to, as friends or anything in Ingress, but you might see me like 
claiming portals and stuff because that's totally my life now. <laughs> Woo! And then you can find me at Laura K. Buzz on pretty much everything. So there we go. Thank you very much for listening, and we will have another episode for you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.